0: Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. You've read it many times probably, but we're going to read it, read it again and I think can get some truth out of it this morning. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake in Gennesaret uh, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets." at the catch of feast they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, I think about our church these days, and I'm reminded often of what a great challenge God has laying out before us. And uh, in this little fishing story here, he gave the disciples a great challenge as well. And as we think about those disciples, uh, how to become a disciple, what is a disciple? Some people would say a disciple is any believer. Um, Actually, the word disciple means one who learns, or the disciple is a learner, one who learns from others even, uh, becoming a disciple of Jesus is one who learns from Him, and uh, in our text, uh, Luke gives us a description of a challenge that Jesus had offered to His disciples, uh, and it begins with the work of disciplining the lives of those who were following Him. Uh, few lines would express more clearly what real discipleship is than than what Jesus said in Luke chapter six, verse forty. There Jesus said, a student is not above his teacher. Remember, a disciple is one who learns. you would be talking about the student here. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. In a word, it's becoming like one's teacher. That's what a disciple is. And so the challenge it lays out before you and me this morning is, is determining who is our teacher and how much like Him do we appear. How much do we trust Him? How much do we learn from Him? Someone has described discipleship as the road that takes us from the mind of the flesh to the mind of Christ. Peter shows us this pilgrimage in this seaside encounter with the living Christ. You know, at first, when Jesus said, after he borrowed the boat and he preached his message, uh, and he asked Peter to, to go back out again, Peter first hesitated. And he said, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We've worked hard all night. And they hadn't only worked hard at fishing, but they drug those water-soaked nets, how heavy they must have been out They had washed them out, cleaned all the seaweed off of them, had them hung up to dry, ready to go for the next day. And Jesus said, if you'll cast out into the deep and cast your nets, something will happen. Lord, he said, we feast all night without success. And uh, Jesus had come to fish for men. He'd come to reap a great harvest. He was letting that be known everywhere he went. And when the religious leaders focused on Jesus and what he was saying, uh, he had a lot of problem with them. He had a lot of problem for spending time with Zacchaeus in his home. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a man hated by the average Jew, especially by uh, those who had some kind of authority because he cheated them too if he could. But the Son of Man, Luke says, came to seek and to save that which was lost. In another place, Jesus said, I have not come to condemn the world, but that the whole world through me might be saved. You know, I love to fish. I used to fish all the time before I was called into ministry. And then when I called into ministry, it was called into ministry, and the Lord began to move me around from place to place. Uh, it seemed like I ran out of places to fish. I was always somewhere where there was not a lake close by. I didn't have much time. Um, Last year, for the first time in many years, I got out my fishing pole. And would you believe that the the eye on the end of the pole had just rotted off? And um, so I went over to Academy of Sports, and I was looking. I was going to put a new eye on. And Willard Smith caught me over there, and he was talking. He said, I can fix that. So he took it home, and he put an eye on it, and he rewound it and brought it. And I had great plans to go fishing last summer. Well, it wasn't long until I began to talk with uh, Caldwell Creel. Caldwell, at one time, uh, was a serious fisherman. At one time, he was just real close to becoming a professional fishing guide. He fished in a lot of tournaments. He really knows how to do it. And he said, we got to go fishing. I said, I'm ready. Let's go. Well, he called a time or two. Something else was up. I couldn't go. I didn't go fishing last year. This year, I got to talking with Eddie Hardcastle. Eddie is a a successful crappie fisherman. And uh, he brought pictures to show me how he was getting the lakes ready for crappie using bamboo poles and buckets of concrete and I don't know what all. But he was putting some places where he knew they were going to gather in the lake. We were going to go crappie fishing. Day went by, day went by, day went by. The weather changed. I got busy. He got busy. The first thing you know, one day I said, uh, Eddie, uh, when are we going to go crappie fishing and, and are they still biting? And he said, well, you know they've moved out to the deep water now. Out in the deep water, that's where we'll have to go. And to this day... We've still not been crappie fishing. You know, there are a lot of churches in that same kind of situation who know they've been called to be fishers of men. Uh, Even in our church, we have a Sunday school class, which uh, I taught for a while, the oldest men, and the name of that class is the fishermen. And uh, while I was there, they were old enough and I was old enough. We never did go to the lake. Uh, We never did go out knocking on doors. Occasionally, though, we'd catch somebody if if a stranger came to visit us and just happened to jump in our boat. Um, We claimed him as a catch, and we were glad to do it and glad to have him, and that still happens once in a while. I saw a program on TV the other day about this man who was fishing in a lake. And uh, he was fishing for some kind of bass that jump out of the water in schools. Stripers, I think they're called. And uh, he said, if you're not careful, they jump right in your boat. And some did during that show. But we're living in a time in our world as a church when not many fish are going to jump in the boat. When, if we catch fish, if we really become fishers of men, We're going to have to be willing to listen to the teacher, our Lord. If we're really going to be his disciples, we're going to have to become like him. And that means our main purpose in life is to reach the lost, never to condemn them, always to love them, that the whole world through us might be saved. That's the challenge that God gives to us. And the thing is, we look out in the fields all the time, every day. You really don't even have to look out in the fields. You just turn your TV on or pick up the newspaper or turn on the radio, and it isn't long until you're reminded how white the fields are, ready to be harvested. There are lost people everywhere, more lost people in America today than there ever has been in the history of America. And the challenge for us is still the same. And if God's purpose for the church is to harvest, and we never bring in a crop, if His purpose for us is to be fishers of men, and we look around ourselves, I've been here since 2002. If anything, our numbers probably have gone down a little bit, maybe. But we see ups and downs. But the fact is, it isn't hard to see and to understand and to realize and to admit, if you're honest, either God is failing or we are. One or the other. God or us. And I found out a long time ago, God is not the place to lay blame for your failures as a follower of Jesus. It's not his fault. I've been in ministry over 40 years, I've never noticed God failing. I've never noticed him not keeping his word. I've never found him unfaithful to any calling. He's never been unfaithful to me in my calling. Sometimes he doesn't bless us the way we'd like to be blessed. There have been times in my ministry when I would get into a routine of study or a routine of prayer or or a routine of something else, and uh, God didn't always bless the routine we had going. There are a lot of routines we've had going in the past. We used to be able to go out and knock on doors. People would let you in and sit down and give you a glass of tea or a cup of coffee. And uh, as they did that, you had opportunity to share the gospel and to share your faith with them. That doesn't happen anymore. Jenny and I moved from a church in Memphis. In our neighborhood, everyone had wrought iron storm doors and wrought iron bars on their window. It was not unusual to go there and knock on a door and see people sitting in the house, and they wouldn't answer the door. It's because they didn't know if it was a preacher or a thug. And it's that way in our neighborhoods today. The routine way of fishing for men sometimes has to change. And uh, it may be that we're still casting our bait in in the shallow waters. Sometimes the routine of what we've always done offers a very secure comfort zone for us, but it offers a little shelter for those who are lost in the community. And they need shelter and they need love, and our efforts are fruitless without the blessings of God. Sometimes we're like Peter, sometimes we hesitate to give way to his agenda. Sometimes we when he gives us a command, we say we've been working hard. We've been doing everything we've always done. We're still not catching any fish. Most of us, to be quite honest, and I'm saying us, us, that includes me, most of us have a lot of trouble with change because we feel so insecure. I don't know if you've noticed babies about two, three years old, most of them that I've been around grasp onto a little security blanket about that time, and they don't want to let them go until they start feeling secure, and that may be one, two, three, four, five years down the road. Sometimes you'll see a baby running around with just just a scrap of what used to be a complete blanket, but it's still their security blanket. Sometimes as adults, we feel secure as long as we do the routine things. Sing the same songs. Follow the same outline in worship. Study the same lesson. We have a tendency tendency to fish for men the same way every week, even when we're not catching fish. We go through the motions and expect them just to kind of jump in the boat. You ever had a fish jump in your boat? Goat? Not yet. It's not going to happen. See, we, we worry sometimes about what kind of bait we need to use. I tell you what, I'm glad we don't have to fish today the way Peter did. Can you imagine casting that net all night long after it had been out and dragged back in, full of seaweed, water soaked? What a weight that would have been to cast that net and get it to open up and float out over the water so that you could drag it in and it would be filled with fish. See, we worry about what kind of bait to use. It may be a time for our church to rethink how we're fishing. How is it that we can get people to come? How is it that we can reach out for some fish in the neighborhood that are hungry? that need to be brought into the house of God. And we're already finding out that changing bait isn't always that much fun. You see, in order for that to happen, some of us have to be bait cutters. You know, there's an old question, an old cliche, Brother, are you going to fish or are going to cut bait? You know, some of us have to cut the bait. Some of us have to cut the bait. And the bait cutters around here, here from those who are using the bait all the time, I don't like to fish with that bait. You know, I have a couple granddaughters who love for their daddy to take, fishing, we take them fishing. The one thing they don't love to do is put the worm on the hook. And it's like that. It's like that when you're on a church staff. And when change has to come and you know change is painful and you know that people need to change in order to get in line with what God is doing in today's world, it has to happen. It's not always fun. But when you do come in with a bucket full of fish, it is fun. I've been fishing one time since I lived in White House. And I went over to Gary Webster's pond one day I took that old rusty pole over there, and uh, I was back home in about an hour. Jenny said, you must have given up pretty early. I didn't. I had a bucket full of fish. You know, fish can be caught. You take the time to go, and if you're doing what needs to be done, what attracts the fish, they will bite, and you'll catch them. Sometimes as Christian adults... Not only do we get routine, but we become ritualistic. Over and over again, we do the same thing. And as we do the same thing, we wind up with the same results. Now, Jesus interpreted Peter's routine for him. You know, he knew washing the nets was no easy task. He knew they had to be clean, they had to be dry, they had to be ready to be used the next day. Peter knew little about the points that Jesus was going to make with him about being a fisher of men, but he knew a lot about catching fish. And no doubt he had a lot of questions about what Jesus was asking him to do. That's why he hesitated. And yet, Peter was willing to be obedient. Even though he didn't know for sure what was going to happen, he didn't understand how they were going to catch fish. Lord, we said, if you say we can make, if we can make a catch... If you say this will work, even though we've fished all night and haven't caught anything, we're going to go do what you said we ought to do. I want to suggest to you this morning that our questions are resolved when we know that Jesus is Lord. And when we accept the fact that Jesus is the master teacher. And that as disciples, our goal is to become like Him and to be obedient to Him. Well, they did what Jesus said. See, the secret of true obedience is to have a clear and a close relationship with Christ. And when that relationship is clear, I mean, sure, no doubts, Jesus is Lord of my life. Be clear about that with yourself and be clear about it with other people. And have a close personal relationship with him, which recognizes and proclaims him as the Lord of life every day. And you'll be surprised how many more fish and how many more men we're going to catch as we go about God's business. And then there's not only uh, that hesitation that Peter had, but... There's also an honest acknowledgement here. In verse 8, they let down the nets just as Jesus said. You know the story. The nets were filled. They were so full they wouldn't hold all the fish. They even had to call help to get the fish in the boat. And so they called James and they called John and the sons of Zebedee who were in another boat. They pulled alongside and the four fishermen filled both boats. And guess what began to happen? the boat began to sink. Now, if we put this in spiritual terms, it means if we do all that God asks us to do, the boat will begin to sink. That doesn't mean we're going out of business. That means we need to build another building. That means we need to get prepared for what God really wants to do for us in life. And when Simon Peter saw what was happening, he got out of his boat, he went to Jesus, and the the NIV says he fell at Jesus' knees. He got on his knees. And suddenly, he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In other words, Peter realized, I'm not the kind of fisher of men that Jesus needs for me to be. And I want to say to you, If you ever once see Jesus operating in your life in the fullness of His power without any shade of doubt that He's the one who's doing it, you will never be the same. He will change your life. He will make a believer out of you. And He'll make a real disciple out of you. Because you will love him so much, you'll want to be more and more like him. And so when we obey him in his lordship, suddenly we see how far short, how far short we're falling. And how much more like him we need to be and we ourselves become needy people. Consider how other translations have handled what Peter says there. In today's Living Bible, it says it quotes Peter as saying, "I'm too much of a sinner for you to have around." That was Peter's opinion of himself after Jesus blessed. The Cotton Patch version says, "Don't waste your time on a bum like me, sir." But Jesus was going to give Peter a lot of time because he saw a seed in Peter that was going to grow. He saw a spirit in Peter that was going to become solid as a rock that he was going to build his church upon. Now, I wonder this morning, as you think about the challenge, you may think that change is just being brought for fun around here. I'm like Cliff. I want to tell you something. It ain't easy. For anyone, anyone, it, what would be easy is to come and never be challenged. But you know what? Man, would it be boring. Would it be boring. If I thought I had to come, as much as I love this group of people, and just sit here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and year after year, and see no more results than we've been seeing, I'd be tempted to go somewhere else. That's a strong statement but I'm showing you my heart this morning. God needs for us to listen to Him. What response would you make this morning to the challenge of Jesus to leave the security of the shallows and row out where the water is deep to cast your net afresh and new in order to make the catch He has for us to make. I've heard so many times in my life, and in my ministry especially, Brother Time, I'd like to be what you're talking about. One man came to me one Sunday morning, and, and um, if you've heard me preach very much, you know there are times when, when I get carried away some I get a little weepy sometimes. If my heart is heavy it had been one of those days, and he came and he said, I feel so sorry that you want all of us to be like you, and we can't be. So many people have said, I'd like to be a follower of Jesus, but I can't live up to it. So many people get to where Peter was, and they buy that line that Satan gave him, that they're unworthy. They think God won't waste any time with a person like him, and so they walk away. Some say, I just can't live up to it. Some may be here this morning who've never served Christ intentionally because you're afraid you cannot live up to it. Some of you may be sitting here with the gift to teach and never have been a teacher because you're afraid of failure, unable to live up to it. Let me give you a nugget of truth you can take to the bank. Jesus will never count you worthy because you feel good about you. He'll never do it. It's not your worthiness that sets you free to become what God wants you to be. It's His worthiness. It's Him living in your heart. It's His Spirit blessing you to be what you need to be. And if you're willing to call Him Master, You're able to do anything He's willing to call you to do. Some of the things He said is obey, pick up your cross, deny yourself. Oh, but that calls for change. And and, and you say, Brother Tom, that's so hard. I agree with you. It is hard. It's difficult. Being a Christian is not pie in the sky. Being a Christian is is not all about giving God a dollar and getting back a million. No, it's about laying your life on the line and sacrificing what the world wants you to be in order to become what God wants you to be. It's about sacrificing what the flesh wants you to do in order to be free to do what God wants you to do and yet in a strange and a paradoxical way. It's not only hard, but it's also so very, very easy. It's easy. With every cross we lift in obedience to Christ, He always gives us the strength to carry it. He always does. He never puts more on us than we can bear because He's in our hearts and in our lives and He's bearing it with us. And our obedience is not based on our feelings. It's based on our faith. And that's what makes it real and that's what makes it possible. Will you be willing to go into the deeper waters with us? Would you be willing to wash the nets and hang them up to dry and then that Jesus' word, throw them again, and throw them again, and throw them again, until we make the catch that God wants. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to give our church, He's challenging our church, and He's going to provide this family of God with the opportunity of its lifetime. Don't miss the big catch. Don't miss the big catch, because you've been trusting yourself instead of trusting God. Thirdly, when we trust Him, when we're discipled and we become just like Him, there is a, another wonderful thing that happens to us. And that's a bold, wonderful way to express that a promise has been fulfilled we have given release from fear. Jesus said to Peter, do not be afraid. It's a phrase that's often on the lips of angels and and on God throughout the scriptures. And when you decide to take a step of faith, you give your permission to loosen your grip on fear. That's what it's about. Take a step of faith, and every step of faith you take Your grip on fear gets a little looser and a little looser and a little looser. And finally, an amazing thing happens. I've seen few grippers all my life, all my ministry, who are afraid to step out in the aisle to make that first confession of faith in Jesus. And finally, one day after standing there, sometimes gritting their teeth, clutching the pew, looking down. Something happens. God touches their heart in a special way, and they release their grip. They step out of the pew, and you can just watch them coming down the aisle, starting with a little step, starting slowly, and some of them are almost ready to run by the time they get here. It's an amazing thing what God does. They find a release that God gives them. And with that release comes the courage and the strength to step out. And the closer to the altar, the more freedom they find until they get here and say, yes, as they fall at the knees of Jesus, so to speak, and receive His forgiveness and and are washed with His grace and with His blood to be free. And we are turned into what Jesus wants us to be turned into. We become followers of Him, learners from Him, And our mission then becomes to seek and save the lost, and in him we become what we have been declared to be. God wants us to be more successful at fishing for men. Fourthly, and lastly, a person who knows Christ and who is very close to him, who who is practicing his presence moment by moment every day, there comes a time when you are willing just to surrender everything. Now, for Peter and Andrew and James and John, this whole story started with just a request from Jesus to borrow an empty boat so that he could paddle out from shore just a little ways and stand up and preach to a multitude of people who were around there. The amazing thing is, after their big catch of fish, they come in. Peter falls at the, at the knees of Jesus, makes his confession and all of that. And then Jesus said to them, You've gone fishing and you've caught a lot of fish. You think that's something? From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. Come follow me. He didn't just want to borrow the boat. He wanted to own the company. And they walked away from the nets, the boats, their family, their routine, everything they had always, everything they had always depended upon, they walked away from in order to be completely dependent upon Jesus. Are you willing to go into the deep water this morning? I'm talking deep water. You won't be able to touch bottom and stand on your own feet. Sometimes you'll think you're going to sink. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll always be there to lift you up and keep you on top. Are you ready to go to the deep waters? That's where we need to go in our church And it means a total surrender. It means abandonment sometimes of what you've been depending on in your life. And it's a scary thing. It's a risky place to be because you may feel like you have both feet planted solid and all of a sudden when God is talking with you, you may feel like your feet are planted very firmly in midair That's what the Bible calls walking in faith. And some need today, maybe for the first time, to step out and say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy to call you master. I'm not worthy to ask you to save me. But because of your word and your promises, I'm going to do it because I'm lost. And I need to be saved. And some of you may be here saying, you know, i followed Jesus for a long time. I answered that call to follow him, to be a fisher of men. But my stringer's almost empty. I've been meaning to go fishing. I've been meaning to catch some fish. But my pole is a little rusty. My line's not very strong. Last time I went I fished all night. Got fisherman's luck. When I was my boy when I was a boy, my dad used to call fisherman's luck with a wet bottom and an empty gut. Fish all night. And you're miserable. And no fish. That's not what God wants. What he really wants is us walking by faith. What we really need to abandon and leave behind is the attitude that we're just okay, and it's okay with God first just to be okay. We need to walk away from that. And if we're going to be believers, it means we really need to do what we sing so often to Jesus when we sing, I Surrender All. All to thee. I surrender. You may be here this morning from another church that also has empty nets. Maybe looking for a place where you can plug in, afresh and new. This is one of those places where God is going to do a great work. It's already in motion. Sometimes we get so covered up with the cloudiness and the and the the fuzziness that fear and change brings to us that we don't see it. But I see it, and it's in the beginning stages. And some of you need to say, okay, I'm ready for the deeper waters. I'm going to go where the fish are. I'm going to cast the net the way I need to cast the net in order to catch the fish that God has for me to catch. What kind of commitment do you need? What would God call upon you to do this morning to make Him the absolute, unquestionable Lord of your life? What would He ask you to give up? And would you give it?